Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. It is your favorite podcast, Jamar Contreras, with your favorite podcast, Making the Cut. Thanks for joining me again. Come on in. The water is fine. What a day of celebration. It is Palm Sunday. We celebrate that. But also, we're celebrating our Louisiana State University Lady Tigers for winning the very first ever, that's right, I said first, not the only, the first ever national championship in college basketball for our university, our big university. What what an amazing feat. And you know, I know the title doesn't show about that, but you know what it just happened today and watching it, you, you got you to gotta celebrate it, right? And man, Kim Mulkey, that's right, Tickfall, the village of Tickfall's own Kim Mulkey coming back home. Being a national champion that she was three times in Texas at Baylor and Waco, then coming back home, only her second season, getting the W, getting the big W with the Natty. What? Yes, I know there's some question calls. Listen, I even posted. There's absolutely some question calls and some tic tac calls in that game. Uh, I even posted on, on Facebook about... Uh, uh, <laughs> That I think these officials are trying to become famous because they're just calling stuff that like left and right. There, there was no breathing room for anything. They were just calling everything. It was unreal, and it was such sensitive calls. If you if you want to go go with that verbiage for it, but what an amazing game! I, you know, honestly, I thought with Caitlin Clark that uh, that LSU was just going to have a, a hard time. I, I was happy that LSU made it. I didn't think we stood a chance because I knew that that monster in Caitlin uh, was what she is, a monster, and almost unstoppable and in many ways. I mean, the, the, the girl still had over 30 points. She still affected the game so much. She was the best player by far on her team. She had some help out with the rest of the team. you, you got to give her a lot of props, man, and she's only a junior, so she's not WNBA draft eligible. So she's going to be back next year. Look out, college basketball, women's college basketball. Anyway. Tick fall, your own. Like, listen, yeah, many of y'all didn't know that it, uh, by the, the 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 middle school in Tick fall, Neesom, she has her own road already. Man, and I saw my buddy said somebody barricade the old roads of uh, <laughs> a wild and crazy uh, uh, Tick fall. So, well, I mean, it's amazing to have uh, quote unquote one of our own from Tangy uh, doing big things. Not only doing big things elsewhere, but coming back home and doing it. That's that's huge. So. Ah, you know, I step away from that to get into the podcast today. But as always, thanks for joining me on another Sports Sunday. I'm so excited, you know, proud as if I, you know, as if I were there the whole time. But as always, you know where you can find me. My link is going to be on my Facebook. Anywhere that you get your podcasts, you can you can find me, especially on the Anchor app, which is now uh, podcasting, pod, Spotify for podcasters. That's the name. It'll take me a few times to get that right. Uh, but of course, if you go to Spotify. And you follow me there. It's it's going to let you and alert you to let you know when my next episode is going to be up. You know, during ball season, I don't always have an opportunity to record. Uh, but you also know that it's uh, it's almost draft season. We're uh, you know a little more than a month away, almost two months away. No, oh I'm lying. Oh no, no good grief. It's a, it's only a couple weeks away. I'm getting whew, uh, anyway a couple weeks away. Oh my excitement! I just just forgot. Anyway. So the draft is coming up. That's the reason why I have my mock draft 2.0 tonight. I do have some changes on there. I hope that you like it. If you have some discrepancies or if you have some differences, some different opinions, hey, you are, you're always 
welcome to tell me that. You're always welcome to reach out to me and let me know what you think of it. Uh, and tell me I'm crazy or tell me I'm smart. I will tell you this. Uh, I do multiple mock drafts every year. And I, I fiddle around with them. Sometimes I do them different strategies. But a lot of times on my final mock draft, right before the draft, I'm as close to being right. I, a lot of times I'm more close than Mel Kuyper and all those guys. So just and, and if you ever want to get with me, I can uh, also give you my, my seven-round mock drafts that I do as well. I do them all the time. I love them. It's, it's my nerd work, okay? It's, it's my geek work. So you're, you're more than welcome to join me. And if you ever want to come on and give your mock draft with me, you could, you could join with me as well too. I think Colin might be doing that pretty soon. So let's look out. Let's see if he's going to jump into it as well. So let's so let's go ahead and jump off into my mock draft there. And as you know, I got I, I'm trying, I got to slow myself down. I'm so excited about LSU and for Kim Mulkey. So excited about it. So it's hard for me to get back focused on it, especially now too that I, I come to a realization that the the, mock, the the actual draft is so close as well. But as always, a lot of times I'll defend uh, my my selections for each draft pick. I may not do it for all. Uh, but I, I give the reasoning why I do a lot of research. I check and see what the ne- needs were for each team. I look at what they've done on trades. I look at what they've done on signings, uh, and uh, you know, on, in the off season, I look at a, a bunch of different stuff. And so I, I don't just do it just out of you know whatever the mock draft things may say is is what's best for them or what the uh, air quote experts say is best for them. So I look at it. I look at need and I look at who's the best available at that point. A lot of times, and then sometimes I switch some things up. Sometimes I go with a gut feeling on it, but I'll explain it all to you. So let's jump off into it. Uh, Carolina, of course, traded for the number one overall pick from Chicago, um, trading away DJ Moore along with that. Um, but they did sign them some receivers, uh, Adam Thielen and DJ Chark. So I think, and they also have Terrace Marshall still there too. So they're they're kind of full there. They don't really need to stretch in the first round on there. Of course, everybody knows that they're going for a quarterback. And on my last mock draft, on my mock draft 1.0, I had them taking Anthony Richardson from Florida. Uh, but I do uh, right now, and this could change, when you have four quarterbacks that the media, that the experts keep pushing, it's going to uh, it's, it's going to sway those teams back and forth on who to pick. And I'll explain that too as I go down. But I have them no longer taking Anthony Richardson, but I have them taking C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State. Uh look out for what they're going to do there you know a lot of great meetings with them a lot of great meetings with all of the quarterbacks the, the big quarterbacks so uh, i right now other than what the media is saying to them to sway them that's where i'm going with that right now number two houston's up to pick a lot of people have them taking a quarterback i have them taking a quarterback but not at this pick uh they do have a a quality quarterback in davis mills that they got a lot of people don't understand don't know because the team in itself sucks so bad the coaches coaching staff was so bad but i think what they're going to do as for this mock draft what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to punt on the quarterback situation right now because you have like i said four of the major big name quarterbacks that they're looking at going in the first round uh and so they you know they don't want to be the one that uh relives what they did last year Carlson and Lovey Smith his job after one year where they had an opportunity to have the first overall draft pick and screw that up by getting a win when they didn't need to which I understand you know on that part as a as a player or any or even a coach that you like we got to win man that's what we're here for I completely understand that but you could see them saying all right we don't want to take the wrong quarterback and overreach 
and say, well, we, we, you know, we got this quarterback and, and he was a complete and total failure. So I see them taking Will Anderson out of Alabama. Well, many people have him as their number one overall player on their draft boards. And so he could be a transitional player for this league like TJ Watt was for them. Uh, so that, that could be huge for them. So I could see him there after taking the punt and not taking the quarterback with their second pick, with their, with the second pick in this draft. Moving on to number three, Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of people have them taken, you know, they would have taken Will Anderson if he would have been there. And uh, honestly, it would be better for Will Anderson to go to Houston than would it be for Arizona because Arizona, for some reason, uh, honestly, regardless of who the coach is, I know Kingsbury's not there anymore, but they do not use their their specialist linebackers, edge rushers, the way that they should. Uh, I mean, you're looking at the guy that came out of Clemson a few years ago, and he's been non-existent right now. I can't even remember. Isaiah Simmons. I mean, many people that don't even realize that he he's still playing there. They knew he got drafted by them, but he's not there. So I could see them, you know, if Will Anderson would be there, they could take him, and unfortunately he would just fall through the cracks and, and have not so great of a career. Um and I also have them passing on Jalen Carter, which is like number one, a one uh, B or two in the draft on most of, most of the draw, uh, the boards. Uh, but with all of the off the field issues that he just went through, they're not major. They're not as major as some of whether the off field issues that other people have gone through. But it did, you know, cor- correlate with somebody losing their life from his team, etc. Um, so. You can see him falling. I don't think he's going to take a Warren Sapp type fall or Laramie Tunsil type fall um, that most see because I, I think he's just too much of a talent for them to pass up. And uh, I, I think he goes goes a little bit later, but not as late. So I think Arizona takes a safe pick here and goes cornerback, which is a, a position in need that they have. And they go corner the cornerback from Oregon, which is Christian Gonzalez. Y'all probably heard me talk about him before. He is the top-rated corner in this draft. Some of them have Devin Weather, uh, uh, Witherspoon uh, from Illinois at the top, but honestly, Christian Gonzalez is probably going to be the top guy when you when you when, it, when all the dominoes fall. Uh, moving on to the Colts at number four. This is a team that brought in Gardner Minshew, which is a really good job for uh, picking up a rookie quarterback, gives him time to slide in. Uh, Gardner Minshew is better than what the Colts have brought in the last couple years in Wentz and Matt Ryan and, you know, Phillip Rivers. Uh, so th- this is a much, these are, this is a guy that's a younger guy. He still has a lot of game in him. Hadn't had an opportunity really to succeed except for when he was uh, the earlier years in Jacksonville. The guy is a baller, but you can see that he's going to be a bridge, bridge quarterback. He knows he's going to be a bridge quarterback as well. And I believe the Colts are going to be taking Bryce Young here. Uh, I believe if they didn't have this bridge-type quarterback, a guy that they could put on the field and allow Bryce Young to learn the NFL game and the speed of it, uh, then then they may not have taken Bryce Young. They may have taken somebody else. Uh, just because, you know, that's a lot to put on a, a guy that his measurables are not NFL measurables, so to speak. And uh, that's been the knock on him. That's the reason why he's not the number one quarterback or number one overall player being drafted in this draft. He could fall further. Don't don't be surprised that, that if he could take a uh, Brady Quinn or Johnny Manziel fall in this draft because of his size. Uh, but just keep a watch on that. At number five, the Seattle Seahawks. So there's been a lot of talk and there's about, been a lot of uh, smoke screen in, uh, of a sense of Pete Carroll saying, hey, we're probably going to take a quarterback here as well. Let me tell you that this is possibly an opportunity for them to trade down and get some more draft picks. 
they may get a, a quarterback in this draft, but I don't believe they're going to reach in the first round with it, especially with them son and Drew Locke back and the, the season that they were able to have with Geno Smith, which was reminiscent of his, his college football days at West Virginia almost. And it was actually a better passing season than any that Russell Wilson had. Honestly, if you go back and look at it, it really was. So I think they're actually happy with the quarterback situation that they have. I think there's a smokescreen. And you heard me say Jalen Carter a while ago. I think Jalen Carter is not going to fall any further than this if Seattle stays in this position. This is a guy that that can be the inside anchor of their defense who could be huge for them too. The defensive interior defensive lineman from Georgia, Jalen Carter, big beast of a man. I think this is too much for them to pass up and they go there. Uh, the Lions. The Lions are a unique, at number six, are a unique team. Uh, they're uh, unique in many ways. Of course, they have a receiving crew that is absolutely already good. Tight end, it's really good. They have Jamison Williamson that's going to be coming back. Uh, he only got to play a little bit at the end of the last year coming off the ACL tear. Uh, the quarterback situation there honestly works for their system. There's no need for them to rush and get a quarterback. Um, especially in this draft, I don't think there's a there's a uh, generational quarterback in this in this draft, honestly, that would you know justify them taking a quarterback in, in the first round in this draft. So on that note, when you look at them last year, what hurt them, what kept them from that very bottom? I mean, they were almost in the playoffs. What kept them out of the playoffs was not their offense because their offense was on fire last year. Yes, even Jared Goff was legit last year. It was their defense. Their, de their defense was atrocious. Uh, they've done a lot of signings in the offseason, especially at corner. Uh, so initially, a lot of people had them taking uh, Christian Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon. But I actually have them going on the opposite side of the edge from Aiden. Uh, now I can't even think of the guy's name that they drafted last year. Hutchinson. All right, so you go on the opposite side. you got your bookends, and I have them going defensive in the edge rusher from, Tyree, from Texas Tech, Tyree Wilson. This is a guy that's not getting a whole lot of publicity because he's from Texas Tech. But let me tell you, there's a reason why on most boards, he's the second overall edge rusher in this draft. Moving on to the Las Vegas Raiders at number seven. They've already come out and said, and I and I, I am not taking anything away from them. I'm not saying it's a smokescreen. They've already said that they're going to take a quarterback most likely with this draft pick. And uh, I know that they just signed pretty Jimmy G, but you have some other pieces there. I think McDaniel is there, Josh McDaniel is there trying to build the team the way he wants to, although I don't think he'll ever be actually able to do it because I think he's more of an offensive coordinator, uh, a really good offensive coordinator, but I don't think he's a good head coach, kind of like DA is not a, a great head coach, he's a great defensive coordinator, or actually above average. Um, so on, on that note, I see him making a stretch like he did when he was a head coach in Denver. I see him reaching out. To, to Florida for a number 15 quarterback. It's not going to be Tim Tebow this time, but it's going to be a guy that's going to be actually less accomplished and less experienced, but maybe more tangibles and more athletic ability in Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson, y'all heard me say it before, uh, a lot of people are you know, comparing him to Cam Newton and a couple other guys. I definitely compare him to Cam Newton because of his size and his speed and his elusiveness, uh, but also because of the the arm accuracy, not the arm strength, the accuracy. Uh, I think the both of them mirror one another, and I can see that. Uh, that's my comparison for them. For them. I, I don't think he compares to Lamar Jackson. He doesn't have that type of elusiveness. He's not that type of athlete. So, uh, Anyway, that's who I, who I have them taking. At number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. No uh, 
this pick that I have here is not picking on them because of them being the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, so you may question this pick, and it's a reach for the first round. But this is my first on, on mock draft 2.0. This is my first probably surprise uh, pick here. This is a pick that most people probably didn't see coming. But when you look at the way that the team is being built, they're only a few place, uh, pieces away from being a really good team. They really are. The Carolina as well, when you look at all the stuff that they picked up in the offseason. Um, but the, the Falcons honestly have a pretty daggone good defense. They're decent. They're not great. They're decent. They need. They probably need some spots there. Uh, offensively, they've made some moves the last couple years, bringing in Kyle Pitts and last year Drake London. I believe that they're going to stick with a quarterback. I believe they're sticking to their guns where they said that they're going to stick with Ritter as a quarterback. Uh, they brought in some, uh, I think it was uh, Tyler Henneke from Washington to the, be the backup for him. So you got a stud there as well that can come in and take over the game if Ritter uh, gets injured or struggles a whole lot and the team starts going south. You got a guy that, there in, in Heineke that, that can really uh, boost the team as well. So on that note, that, that's the reason why I'm going with this pick. They don't have a big name at tailback. They've been decent at tailback last year, surprisingly so. But I think when you look at the situation there, where they're picking, unless they trade back, I could see them going with B. John Robinson out of Texas, the running back, the, high, the highest rated uh, running back on the draft board. I know that's early to pick a running back, but I think, hey, what what better way to be able to take over the NFC South uh, to, than having a really good running game to go with your very young quarterback, right? And you already have two great pass attack, uh, uh, attacking receivers in Kyle Pitts as you tied in and Drake London. And you also signed some other people there as well. So it's, it's, I could see them going this route there. And that's the reason why I got them going there. Surprise pick there. The Chicago Bears at nine, when they tried it down from, uh, with, with Carolina from one to nine, I have them going very simple. You got Justin Fields, you uh, mortgaged your future on him a couple years ago, so you got to be able to protect him. I got them going with the first offensive tackle off the board with Paris Johnson out of Ohio State, the highest-ranked guy there. Moving on to number 10, Philadelphia. The Eagles, they don't have a whole lot, even though they've had some moves this season. I thought about going running back for them since they lost Miles Sanders, but they brought in some other guys as well. Um, I don't think they reach on a running back at the number 10 pick because they have another pick later on. And it's not an emergency need for them. And they really don't have a whole lot of emergency needs, but you do have a couple areas that you need to fill. Uh, losing uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was big for them as well. They did bring in other pieces, but I think you want to get some youth there. And I think they're going to go with the number two rated corner in the draft because, you know, the rich get, rich get richer sometimes. Going with Devin Weatherspoon out of Illinois. You heard me talking about him earlier. Moving on to the 11th pick, Tennessee. Now, Tennessee is a unique one. This is a team that has... Rumored to put Derrick Henry on the trade back block, uh, Ryan Tannehill on the trade block. They've let go of their uh, Trevor Lewin, the uh, is Taylor or Trevor anyway, their their uh, tackle, their star tackle. They let him go. Uh, so there's many ways that they can go, and and there's a lot of stuff. And tight end is one of the things for some reason it says that there is their top uh, need, which really isn't their top need because you need more than a tight end to get this offense going i think in my previous mock draft i had them taking a running back as possible i can't remember i have to go back and listen to it. you should go back and listen to it as well but i actually have them going off the realization well we have this quarterback in Tannehill. excuse me we have this quarterback in Tannehill, and we took away all of his weapons and derrick henry is getting older and he's getting more injuries as he goes through his career he's still derrick henry uh but 
you can't rely on him the whole time. You need your quarterback to be able to make plays. And you you got rid of your best receiver and AJ uh, AJ Brown, and of course also let go of Julio Jones at the end of his career, who went and done his thing a little bit in Tampa. Uh, but I could see them going with the top-rated receiver and many boards and Jackson Smith and Jukba, uh, the receiver from Ohio State. It gives them another weapon to go along with Traylon Burks, which they thought was going to be A.J. Brown, but he's, you know they just tried to put too much on him. Of course, he was injured a little bit. But you give him more... Uh, you give him more weapons. You give him an opportunity. And if he still doesn't work out, then it's time to move on, right? So moving on to number 12, Houston with their second pick in this draft. I told you that they were going to punt on the quarterback situation. This is where I had them taking the quarterback, have them taking Will Levis out of Kentucky. Uh, this is a is, is a safe pick at quarterback for them because they didn't overreach on anybody. They allowed the other guys to go, and whatever was left over for them, they get a very quality quarterback that can come in and be able to do things with them, right? Uh, they could have gone receiver here. Um, they could have gone a couple of different areas, but I think because of the push and the new regime there, they want a quarterback that's going to be um, not just a serviceable quarterback in, like in Davis Mills, but a guy that can to step up to the plate and be the future of the franchise. So look out for that to see that happen. Moving on to 13, the New Jersey, uh, New Jersey, New York Jets. Now, this this is this is going with what the situation is right now. The Jets and um, the Green Bay Packers are going to make a trade to bring Aaron Rodgers discount double check to New York to play for the Jets. It's his request as all as well. But they got a lot of salary cap situations and a lot of money situations to get figured out. So I didn't go through making the trade because it hasn't been made yet, right? So I'm just going as if. Right now, there there hasn't been a trade, and so they still want to be able to build, knowing that they're going to get that trade around uh, protecting that their ageless quarterback, I guess you would say, in, in discount double check. Uh, and going with the offensive tackle from Northwestern, Peter Skronoski. So look out for that to happen as well. Moving on to number 14, the New, New England Patriots taking a New England Patriots-type draft. Uh, pick in the first round, not like they did last year. I'm not talking about that where they took a, uh, an offensive tackle from like uh, Tickfall Tech or anything like that. But I'm talking about this guy, when you hear his name, sounds like a New England Patriots type guy. And I'm talking about Luke Van Ness, the edge rusher from Iowa. Does that not sound like a Bill Belichick edge rusher, right? I'm not the only one that thinks that, right? So I could see that happening. Moving on to 15, we talked about the Green Bay Packers and the New Jersey, uh, New Jersey, good grief, I said it again, New York Jets uh, trade situation. So as of right now, it's obvious that they're not going to go quarterback. When you look at what's on the board, I don't see them reaching on a receiver, which I joked before and said, hey, they're going to take a receiver in the first round now that uh, Aaron Rodgers is gone and they want to get Love some, Jordan Love some, some help there, some more help, some more options even. Um, but... I have them going in on a, a little bit of a position of need, going off of what's left on the board, on the top of the board there, and going with Miles Murphy, the edge rusher from Clemson. They've been building their defense. I could see them doing that again this year. They always are building their defense in the first round. Going to number 16, the Washington Commanders. Uh, I had them initially looking at going to quarterback, but you're not going to reach on any of the quarterbacks after that in the first round, so I could see them punting as well. And going with what's what's top available for them as well. 
They already have one of the best defensive lines in pro football in the NFL. Uh, I could see them trying to shore up their cornerback situation and going with Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State, the cornerback from there. Moving on to number 17, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You've got the – a lot of people have them taking a quarterback. I'm sorry, not a quarterback, but a receiver or some defensive players. Uh, you have some receivers and some playmakers there uh, for that team. and you got to see it, especially Pickens out of Georgia. That dude's an absolute beast. I said it two years ago that he was going to be a beast, and he absolutely is. You have your young quarterback, but you need to be able to keep him off of the ground, keep him safe and uninjured. You need to be able – you've made him the face of the franchise. You need to be able to protect him. And uh, he is not Big Ben. He's not going to be able to take those hits like Big Ben did forever. Uh, so you need to be able to do that. So I'm going with the next available top-rated tackle in the draft uh, on the draft boards and Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle from Georgia. Smart pick. Moving on to number 18, the Detroit Lions are on the on the clock again. I have them, like I told you before, working on their defense because their defense was just so atrocious last year. I have them going with what many people have called Aaron Donald Jr. because he came from Pitt and he put up so many great measurables at the combine. I have them going with Kalaja Clancy, the defensive lineman from Pitt. I, I think this is a smart pick for them. You already shored up your, your bookends and you put a guy in the middle. Now you can start building on your linebacker situation, not just Alex Anzalone, but also you, the corners that you got there. You brought in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to most likely play safety because of how well he played safety last year with the Eagles. Uh, but he's also a jack-of-all-trades in, in the defensive backfield, so look out for what they do there. I think they're going to be smart, especially when you got Aaron Glenn still there. So watch out for what they do. They can make a huge turn with the defensive picks in the first round in this draft here. This draft here. The Tampa Bay, uh, Tom Brady's no more. The Buccaneers again. They look like they're going to be at the very bottom of the NFC South just by looking at it from the outside, right? Uh, they, the moves that they've made were bringing in some of the guys that were a little bit older. Uh, you didn't think they were going to bring back in. They did show up and bring in one of their corners that was much needed. Uh, their defense needs a lot of help, as you can tell, but the offense needs some help as well. Um, but they did bring in Baker Mayfield. You still have Kyle Trask. And as you can see on the on the board here, there's not a quarterback that they're going to reach on. They had the receiving crew there that's that's honestly should be able to rival the receiving crew of like the Bengals, right? Uh, so let's see what Baker Mayfield can do there. I hate that Baker is in Tampa, and we got to play him twice a year. But I have them taking the guy that I was coveted after this. This is one of those guys that can be a boomer bust type guy because of the where he came from. Uh, uh, you know, because he was injured most of the year last year, what the combine did for did for him is almost made him look like he came out of nowhere, and he just is like this Greek god of football, absolute beast of an athlete. The combine did him wonders, and I'm talking about the edge rusher from Georgia and Nolan Smith. I could see them taking him. Like I told you, they needed help on the defensive side. Uh, they made some moves. Uh, Levante Davis older, and so you you got to bring in a guy that can bring out the edge and with the speed and bring some youth back to that that defensive line. Seattle at the number 20 pick. I have them going off cuff here. I don't know if you noticed, but if any of you have done any mock drafts or looked at some of the mock drafts that other people have done, a lot of people have them taking receiver in the first round, which I absolutely have no idea why. Um, unless they're just trying to be able to do something where they don't have to uh, – is it locking the ball when it's still there? I don't know. But you have one of those guys, whichever one's still there. And then you have DK Metcalf. Those are two major receivers uh, in the league. 
Uh, so I, I don't understand why people are pushing for them to be able to get a receiver in the first round. Uh, and plus, the receiver pool is pretty deep this season, honestly. Uh, so I, I don't see that happening. But I do see them uh, making a move offensively that can help out Geno Smith and, and the rest of it. You don't need a running back. you got Kenneth Walker, who's a beast, and you got some other guys that can come in there uh, when, when Kenneth needs to come off the field and take a rest, right, get, catch a breather. I have them taking the first tight end off the board, and it's the tight end from Notre Dame and Michael Mayer. This guy, if you watch what he's done as a blocking tight end and also as a receiving tight end, uh, he, he's an absolute beast. It's the reason why he's rated as high as he is. And coming from the type of offense there at Notre Dame, he will suit and fit this offense in Seattle. Uh, he's not going to be a guy that's going to fall in a way like Jimmy Graham did when he went to Seattle, right? Where he, all he knew how to do was play receiver, really, right? This guy knows how to play the tight end position. He knows how to block. He knows how to be a guy that can come out and make receptions. He is the guy. He is the top guy, and that's the reason why I have been taking him there. Another target for Geno Smith to prolong his career and show the reason why they shouldn't draft a quarterback anytime soon. Moving on to the 21st pick, the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a team that is on the cusp of being good. They are a good team. I should say on the cusp of being great. Let's just say it. They're on the cusp of being good because they just keep finding ways not to get to the postseason. Right? You keep getting guys there. Austin Eckler is asking for a trade because he's underpaid. Uh, but I, I don't have them taking a running back here. I have them take a running back later on in the draft. I have them taking a receiver because when you look at their top two receivers, they're continuously injured. So they need a guy that can shore it up, can be the third option when the other two are there, or can take over as the number one guy moving forward. And I have them taking Quentin Johnston, the receiver from TCU. This guy is highly rated. Uh, there's a lot of praise about him, and you can see him being a boomer busted guy. Uh, and it, But if he goes into an offense where he could be the focal point or – an accent to those two receivers if they can stay healthy he can be a huge help for justin herbert moving on to the 22nd pick baltimore baltimore with all of their drama with the lamar jackson situation you know him requesting a trade etc etc nobody taking the bait nobody wanting to trade for him etc which i've laid out some scenarios before where some teams could do it it may still happen I wouldn't be surprised if it happened if it were to happen on draft night during the first round. Um, and, 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 you know, it, you could have that situation happen. But I'm going off of them not making a trade, uh, shoring up, find out, finding some way to shore up Lamar Jackson or Lamar Jackson realizing this is the best situation. He's going to take the money that they're offering him, et cetera, et cetera, whatever way you want to spin it, uh, whatever way you want to accept it. I have them. I have Lamar Jackson ultimately coming back, especially in this mock draft. And I have uh, the, the Ravens doing a Ravens thing here, going defense. I, ha- I don't think they're going to reach on a receiver. They have some receivers in this draft. But I, I, I honestly, I think even if you had George, uh, Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase there, they're still not going to use them correctly because their offense is not set up that way. So you're not going to have a huge uh, receiving core there or nor are you going to have a guy that's just going to be like the almost like the face of the of the franchise at, at receiver it's just, it's just not going to happen so i had them going uh baltimore here and they're getting deontay banks the cornerback from maryland what is what a perfect fit this is a guy that was uh, y'all heard me talk about him before uh unheralded in some senses because of where he played at he played his college ball in maryland but this guy is a technician at corner uh this is a guy that's going to fit that scheme extremely well so, moving on to number 23, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Minnesota is also 
sucked defensively horribly bad. Um, and they also let go of uh, Patrick Peterson, who led the team with six interceptions last year. Uh, they have some other spots there. They did bring in um, uh, Marcus Davenport. Good grief. I phased out for a second there from the Saints to shore up their side, uh, their defensive line. Sure up with air quotes because Saints fans we know uh, what it means with Marcus Davenport. He's not going to play the whole season. It's just it's just not going to happen. But you have him on the other side, booked in, bookend, bookended with uh, Daniel Hunter, who's later on in his career, but still a beast. Uh, they've had talks about putting rumors, talks I don't know about putting Dalvin Cook on the trade block as well. So some people could see them going running back sometime in this draft. There are a ton of great running backs in this draft. So you can see a run on them, especially in the second round. Be watching out for it. Uh, but you also no longer have Adam Thielen. You do have a couple other receiving threats there outside of Justin Jefferson, but they're just not that guy. You understand what I'm saying? So I could see them taking a receiver here and a guy that could fit the mold of a Adam Thielen for them. And uh, coming, coming from USC, from the way of Pitt, Jordan Addison, the receiver there. I think this is a smooth fit for them. This is a this is a, a, a great number two option for Justin Jefferson for Kirk Cousins. Uh, so Jeff, Jefferson's still going to get the majority of the balls because he just gets open. But when you got a guy like Addison on the other side or uh, lined up next to him, taking the defensive backs off of him, Jefferson take you. You understand what I'm saying? This is a guy that can fit their offense a little bit better than some of the other guys that are that that are. Uh, highly rated receivers in this draft on the boards so moving on i know i'm running long on time here but i'm trying to break it all down for you uh at 24 the jacksonville jaguars you got to be able to protect that quarterback he's finally starting to play good even though in the playoff game that they won he threw 1700 interceptions in the first half and he still come back and won but you got to keep up keep him on on his feet and so i think they're going uh tackle here a lot of people have them taking DB as there, which there's still a ton of DBs that they're going to get, and they're going to, they're going to overreach after the ones that they wanted are already gone. They're going to go with Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle from Tennessee. That's what I have them taking in this mock draft. Moving on to the 25th pick, the New York G-Men, the Giants. So they need a lot of help still, even though they made leaps and bounds this past year. Uh, Danny Dimes took leaps and bounds. And it shows what it what can what can become of a quarterback when he has the right coaching staff there. Saquon Barkley really took leaps and bounds again. Looked like the guy that they had drafted out of you know from Penn State, uh, but of course you know still kind of injury prone uh, because of his age, and he is a running back at his position. They have really a need at receiver to be able to because that's where it's kind of ailed them. Uh, uh, a little bit with Danny Dimes is he didn't have the receiving threats there. Honestly, really hasn't. Nobody can just off the cuff name a, a, a receiver for uh, the Giants right now. But they brought almost all their guys back. They signed some other guys as well. So there's not a whole lot of room to be able to draft a, to draft a receiver, especially in the first round, uh, especially when Jordan Addison is gone uh, and Quentin Johnson's, Johnston is gone as well. So you can see them punting on receiver and the fact that their receiver, they have already, you know, they've got a ton of guys. When you look at their depth chart now and all of the signings that they did and re-signings. Defensively, they still need some help. But looking at what they're going with, being able to ensure that Danny Dimes can stay up. They're going with Osiris Torrance, Torrance from Greensburg, the interior offensive lineman from Florida. I have them taking them there. At 26, 
We have the Dallas Cowboys, and I have Jerry Jones doing a Jerry Jones move here. This is another surprise. Because this guy is not even rated higher in his position group here. Uh, he does need receiver, but again, those top receivers that he would have wanted are already gone, and if he didn't make a move already to move up to get them, he realizes he can get some of the other receivers later on in the draft, like uh, Keishan Butte, uh, etc. Right? Uh, uh, Jalen Hyatt could still be there. So th- th- there's some other guys, Cedric Tillman. There's some other guys that they can get later, but I have them taking a Jerry Jones-type pick here, and I'm not talking about offensive linemen. I'm not talking about uh, getting another Michael Parsons, but I have him falling in love with a guy like he did C.D. Lamb, like he did Ezekiel Jones, but staying put in his position because it doesn't justify moving up to get him. I have him taking Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia. Now, those of you who have paid attention to the Cowboys know that this is a Jerry Jones-type pick. And you may think I'm out of my mind, but it's not. It's a Jerry Jones-type pick. When you fall in love with a guy that can help your quarterback, that you're so insistent on being your quarterback, paying him all this money, etc., you need another receiving target, especially in the red zone, right? Zeke, even though they cut him, he may still end up coming back. Uh, that's the reason why I don't have them taking a tailback either. Um, Zeke is not really pushing the pile to get into the end zone. And then, of course, you got Tony Pollard's going to be coming off of an injury as well on the French playing on the franchise tag so they're probably not going to use him to barrel through in the in the red zone they're going to use his athletic ability so you have a big strong huge tall tight end and Darnell Washington in the red zone even if he's just a decoy for other people it ends up being a smart pick for them as well so I can see Jerry Jones falling in love with this pick at 27 the Buffalo Bills they're going receiver here. And the reason why they're going receiver here is because uh, you have Stefan Diggs, you, and that's pretty much about it. They lost one of their top receivers as well. They, they do a good job, but you need to be able to have uh, uh, the quarterback there not do it all on his own. I don't know why his name blanks me for a second. I'll come with Josh Allen. Good grief. So you, you, you need to be have somebody else. So they're going to go with Zay Flowers, a receiver from Boston College. This guy's gotten a lot of hype. He could be a guy. He doesn't have to come in to be the number one because you have Stefan Diggs there. And so you have more. Uh, you could also go in corner there as well or safety, uh, maybe an interior defensive line or even edge rusher. Look, there's a lot of areas that they could have gone to be able to help them out. Uh, maybe some more offensive linemen. But I could see them having more threats for uh, Josh Allen not to have to take the team on his own and run as much as he does earlier in the season because that's dangerous for him, for any quarterback, to take that many hits. Moving on to the 28th pick, the Cincinnati Bengals. So a lot of drafts still have them taken tight end in the first round uh, because they don't have Hayden Hurst there. Uh, some of them have him taken receiver. A lot of them have him taken uh, on, on offensive line. I think they've made some moves that they wanted to do offensive line-wise, and they, they can still get some quality guys later on in the draft that you're not going to overreach for in the first round. Uh, so I could see them making a move that makes sense for them as well. Now, on their defensive backfield, they lost both Von Bell and uh, Jesse Bates, both of their safeties, to the NFC South and Carolina and the Falcons. So I could see them going and saying, hey, you know what, we really got to shore up that back end and going with the top-rated safety in the draft, which is Brian Branch, the safety from Bama. You could go corner here to finally get rid of the whole Eli Apple situation, but you don't need to reach right here because really any corner that you get in this draft, even if it's in the seventh round, is better than Eli Apple. So well, my, may as well go ahead and start building up your defensive backfield 
the, the very back end in the safety position and get the best guy that's there available in Brian Branch. Moving on to 29, the New Orleans Saints. So when you look at the New Orleans Saints, there's a lot of areas that I'd like to go for them. There's a lot of it, it, honestly, it's still going to go off the coaching staff here. They made some moves. Everybody knows we brought in Derek Carr. Everybody knows, you know, Michael Thomas is quote unquote back, and you know, until the team starts losing, then he's going to all of a sudden be injured again. Even though his contract is a proven contract, doesn't matter. He's rich enough from his original contract. Uh, some of them have him taken tight end. I don't think that you're going to go tight end in the first round. The reason why is because when you look at the defensive line, you no longer have Marcus Davenport. You no longer have the, uh, on your body. You no longer have Shy Tuttle. You have Peyton Turner. Yeah, that's right. Peyton Turner and Cam Jordan, who, who's pretty much already said, yeah, yeah, this is going to be his last year. He really wants to make the push. So I have them taking the defensive lineman from Clemson, Brian Breesey. Smart pick for them, a guy that comes in automatically and has a start role, which is something that the Saints have forgotten in the past when drafting in the first round. When you draft in the first round, it needs to be somebody who comes in and is already uh, a starter on, on whatever position that you draft them at. They need to be, unless it's quarterback and he needs to settle a little while, right? But this is a guy that needs to come in immediately and have an impact. And this is a guy that can do it in Brian Breesey, the defensive uh, defensive lineman from Clemson. So that, that would be my pick for them, especially if he's there. Moving on to number 30, Philadelphia. We talked about him a while ago. Uh, you know, they could take a, a tailback, etc. cetera. Uh, earlier on, a lot of drafts have him. I actually have him taken because the rich just get richer, just kind of like uh, Kansas City, the next pick. Uh, I have them going on and taking a running back, the second-rated running back on many draft boards, and Jamar Gibbs, the running back from Bama. Uh, this is a guy that has a skill set very similar to Miles Sanders, but I think he's going to be a lot better. And you also have, I think you have David Montgomery got signed there. You also have uh, uh, Boston Scott re-signed, and you still have Kenny uh, Gainwell there. So th- you have a, def- uh, a, a backfield there, I'm sorry. That is extremely good already. And you bring in a guy that could be the head of it. That could be huge for it. This guy immediately can jump to the top of the depth chart and give them another option. He's also a great receiving back as well, uh, which could be a huge help for Jalen Hurts dumping the ball off and out of the backfield. So that could be huge too. You can see them making an upgrade as opposed to taking a step back. Moving on to the 31st pick. And the last pick in this first round of this draft is Kansas City Chiefs. Going with Anton Harrison, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma. The rich get richer here, so there's no need for them to reach for anything, receiver, etc., etc. They've proven that they can do it with whoever's lining up wherever. So uh, their defense is good. They're going to pick some more defensive guys later on in the draft. That's just what they do. I don't think they're going to go running back here. I think they would have gone possibly gone running back if Jamar Gibbs was still there, but he wasn't there. So you want to make sure that you can keep your franchise up on his feet in Patrick Mahomes. So I know I went a little long this week. But I wanted to make sure I could break it all down. And, of course, I know celebrating uh, our Louisiana State University Lady Fighting Tigers basketball team as national champs and Kim Mulkey. I wanted to make sure I got as much praise to them as I possibly could as well. So this is my mock draft 2.0. Let me know how you liked it. Make sure you listen. Keep listening. Thanks again. See you all next time. This is your favorite podcaster, Mark Atreira, with your favorite podcast, Making a Cut.